Hello, or should that be Ola, and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent on League podcast, a week which has been one of the busiest I can remember across the county. I'm John Phipps, and myself and Matt Joe will be taking a look at a mad old week over the next 45 minutes or so. Matt's on the line now, and first of all, Matt, how are you? And I really want to know, how's the weather? Uh, it's cold, miserable and wet, so oh. it's a bit like my mood, to be honest. There you go, so... Um... With various things going on. But yeah, it's, it, well, well, we were supposed to have that snow. We didn't get any snow where we were. So it's just been a bit cold, miserable. If it's Wednesday afternoon, John, and it's miserable, it's just like, you know, what else can you really say? Um, well, I'm sure I've, got, I've got a view of the back of Matalan here. And I presume, what is your view? Um, well, I can just about peer over the top of the balcony here. Um, I can't see any clouds. Um, and it seems to be a nice, bright, sunny day with, with blue sky everywhere. So uh, it, I've got to say, though, I thought it was going to be a lot warmer than it is. It's actually cold. We're walking around wearing hoodies. And th- I'm in Spain, by the way, listeners, rather than uh, just in... Are you wearing shorts? Uh, I have been wearing my shorts, yeah, but uh, not every day. And uh, it's certainly not as warm as, as, as possibly advertised. But do you know what? It's just nice to be away from the uh, from from the day-to-day life and everything and we're getting having a bit of a relax because i think we're gonna have quite a busy summer where we are so no it's uh it, it, it's very nice this will be your last time for a while will it over there yeah it will be yeah because we're pretty much we're gonna get starting to get stacked out with people coming to stay so you have to kind of take take advantage of these times yeah, to come yeah. away but as i said to tommy warrelow when he spoke to me a minute ago the podcast doesn't stop for anyone so i'm sat here in spain recording the podcast with, with, with you matt <laughs> And you probably just oh, heard yeah. a little bit of heckling yeah. there. Oh dear. <laughs> Move on quick. We better make this quicker than 45 minutes if that's the case. <laughs> you should be going for, well, um, what have you had lunch yet? We be going for some tapas somewhere? No, do you know what? My beloved made me a fantastic sandwich a minute ago. A bacon, uh, sorry, sausage egg uh, sandwich, which is like a bit of a busman's holiday for her, making breakfast sandwiches. But uh, we had that. And then I think we're going to go out and have a nice uh, Caesar salad and a bottle of wine at a restaurant later on this evening. So, you know, tough. Very nice. Very interesting. Yeah, tough at the top, isn't it? That's what you say. Yeah, very tough. Um, anyway, it's our 70th episode this week here on the Kent Ronnie Podcast, our platinum episode, no less. And, of course, how fast we both always drive on motorways. Never quicker than that, is it, Matt? No, no, I'm still only getting well, yeah. That's about, that's, that must be two years coming up for that, so that's only another year that's gone. So, uh, do you know what? Okay, travelling around, as I do sort of a lot of miles on the old um, M2, you know, an, M, uh, an M20, you're constantly braking because... Um, 50 miles an hour and I read somewhere yesterday that there will be a part because of Brexit we haven't got into that conversation yet um, That's not. parts of the motorway will be 50 miles an hour all the way through they're putting a little um, barrier in the lorry's bit all kick so yeah that is frustrating but, but we've had that argument when I've moaned about getting a um, uh, points on my licence drone can't really moan because I broke the law and that's one of those things but your your welling speeding ticket was actually two years ago on Friday I think it was the third oh that's two years ago then I've wiped it off that's good news so um, against another of my favourite clubs Lincoln another great club yeah, you really enjoyed that day, didn't you? But what was it? Yeah. What was it? The fella said to you, "Oh, well, it's nice to be down there for a bit, isn't it?" Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. My tolerance of certain football clubs is due to the people I meet at these football clubs. Ninety-five percent of the people I meet at these games are really, really friendly. And you give them a slap on the back. Yeah, they're nice, right? But there is five percent that you think. Uh, and well, I can't really say on the podcast. I don't want to get a beep on this. So you yeah, you, always, rem- you always remember the Baddens, though, don't you? That's the thing. Oh, yeah, I've got a list of them, of league, of teams. Boom, 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 all the way through that I think if, if in my 
you know, if there was a league table of the teams I despise um, incessantly, there is a list of them. So one day, maybe uh, I'll give it out, then people can say, you're going to be welcome back at these clubs, but that's what it is. Well, exactly. Anyway, let's move I on. Did, I, did send, I did also say, I, sent the, uh, I thought we'd be in this week, I sent an information to the non-league paper about the podcast, because I know they advertise other podcasts, because there, there, there are other non-league podcasts out there, not as good as ours, I'm sure, John. Oh, this week there's been no games and it'll be on didn't buy the paper so of course my old way go to the local news agents sit there for five minutes and read it and scan it and we weren't in there so I was a little bit disappointed so I was thinking your Twitter handle at KenNonNL Podcast would have gone through the roof with new followers but uh, I'll take it as not because it wasn't in the uh, paper no it wasn't anyway let's uh, move on then where do we start with this craziest of weeks how about we start with Canterbury City who had a brilliant week off it on the pitch and a terrible one off it Firstly, Ben Smith's side beat the team from Leicester with the 1990s grunge band in their name by two goals to one in the FA Vars to reach the last eight, where they have another home tie against Biggles Wage United, who thumped Windsor, a team many many people expected to go a long way in the Vars, 6-1 on Saturday. Now, my co-host tells me that Biggles Wade are the former cover player he knows very well, um, but they're currently second in the Spartan South Midlands League, just a point behind leaders Hadley with four games in hand. It's going to be a tough tie for Canterbury on Sunday, February the 24th, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. I think it wins well on the focus. That's a good result for um, uh, from that point of view. But hopefully, you know, you mentioned the, the disappointment, uh, disappointment they've had the last couple of days. They can put that in their anger. Then the quarterfinals are at home. Really need people getting behind them. But it'll be a tough game. But you know, they've got through the the, uh, the grunge bands and uh, they'll move on from there. Well, exactly, and I was a bit concerned when I saw the team above um, Biggles Wade was Hadley, so I don't want any um, any awful. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what oh, I didn't want. Let's say that, yeah. Exactly what I didn't want, but yeah. That, so we'll move Has anybody on. Anybody else got any football teams with band names or links to songs or singers? Let's know because I can always um, um, carry on singing, and you John can bring them up, and I can try and test my musical knowledge. Do you remember that Calvin Beef used to be sponsored by Wet 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 back in the nineties? Oh, I was, that was that big, uh, free little mystery, you say, that's where we're wet now. It's like a, it's like a broken jukebox on the other end of the phone. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah, dollar, yeah, so yeah. Marty Pello, wasn't it, wet, 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 so, um, yeah. they still going wet, 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 I don't know, he does a lot of acting and stuff, I think he was in Panto in Dartford this year. Oh, all right. Anyway, yeah, um, moving on. I don't know any Libertine song, by the way. You don't know many Libertine songs? No, no. Good. So, if anybody says that, I wouldn't be able to do my best Peacock's impression. Excellent. Um, then on Tuesday night, anyway, it was the big planning hearing at Canterbury City Council, where the plans by Quinn Estates, which included a new home for City and Canterbury Rugby Club at Highland Court, were unanimously rejected by councillors. Obviously, there's some pretty upset people following that decision, and City Chairman Tim Clark has issued a press statement describing the decision as immensely disappointing. I won't read it all, but he adds that he believes that the local elected councillors should feel a sense of shame about the shabby way they have treated a local sports club, and that it should be patently obvious to anyone that a sports club would bring immense benefits, both physical and mental, to our youth locally. Now, I know a little bit about the planning process, and I actually know a couple of the people who are on that planning committee, so I'm going to partly play devil's advocate here and say that, from what I've read of this, the councillors in that meeting will have had their hands tied on Tuesday night, because there was a report issued by the planning department, the, the actual staff people at Canterbury City Council, and they said that they recommended this be rejected. And the the cold hard facts of that is that 
for the, the planning committee to have been able to overturn that decision, they need to have a spectacular reason to do it because they could easily have overturned it. Canterbury City would have been delighted. They'd have been saying blah, blah, blah over the moon this morning. But then the people who were against it, and there are a lot of people who are against it in that area, would have been just able to appeal the decision. It would go to the planning inspectorate, which is based in Bristol. They'd look at the report that the officers have produced and said, well, you shouldn't have approved this and it would be overturned on appeal. So I can obviously really sympathise with Canterbury City and and I feel really sorry for them, but I can kind of understand why that decision has been made in the way it has, Matt. Tell me I'm wrong. No, so the meeting yesterday had already been... Um, turned down by so this is what just clarifies clarifying that that it would be turned down but it could have been overturned but then you're saying if it had been overturned it would have been thrown out anyway is that what you're saying yeah so, how it basically works is, is the planning officers do a report and they on their report they say we we recommend this be approved or they recommend this be rejected and by all accounts, on this report, they said they recommended it would be rejected. So the council just went with their officers, which is what they right. what, what they kind of have. Of course, to they probably employ them for, isn't it? Exactly. You know, and and they can't, so in a number of aspects, their hands are tied. You know, I, I've sat in on planning uh, meetings, not in Canterbury, but I have sat in, in planning meetings elsewhere, and you know, I've I've seen the council sit there and say, look, we can easily approve this, say, give it a go ahead. Everyone will go home happy. And then in two days' time, or, or in four months' time, we'll be back here, it'll have been appealed, and it would have been overturned. You know, it, it's not as straightforward as those councillors who were sat in that chamber last night saying, we want this and it happening. It, it, it just isn't that straightforward. Right, so it's, it's, it's an interesting one. I don't know too much about it. I know it's in breach. I know it's, um, it was going to be a big development. It was a sports area and there was houses, etc., like that. Um, Canterbury... Where do they go from here? Um, you know, and the chairman said last week, if it doesn't go through, um, it could be the end of the club. So that's the disappointing thing. I, I, they must have looked at, since they left Kingsmead, Kingsmead Stadium, you know, went through many a time, must have been that 1999, something around there. That it, um, they must have looked at various things. Hopefully they can get something else. But Canterbury's a big area, and, and it's uh, Canterbury... You know, hasn't really been a hotbed of football, but if they went back to the town and what it gives back to the community, it could go from there. It's just, it's a difficult one. I don't know the whole ins and outs of it, but I presume um, environmental uh, people who are not involved about it or, or not too keen about it and etc. like that, because, you know, building on green land, people don't sort of like that sort of thing. It's difficult to say where Canterbury can go, but all the hard work must be very disappointing for them. So, um, we just hope something can happen for them because they, you know, they need to be playing in there. They've got a successful team here. They could be playing at Wembley, mate, and haven't even got a place to call home, which is really just whatever. It's nomadic existence. It's no good for anybody. No, and what I will say as well is obviously another part of that statement was that the, the City Council did sell Kingsmead or took the money when they sold the Kingsmead site where they used to play and promised that they'd help the, the club get back into Canterbury. So maybe what they need to do is perhaps rather than, you know, obviously Canterbury City are disappointed. Of course they are. But maybe they need to go to the council and say, right, well, 20 years ago, you told us that you'd help us get a ground. If that place at Highland Court, which I know a lot of work's going to if that's not the right one, help us find somewhere to, to have a stadium. Because they don't need the earth. You know, they just need a place that they can call home in Canterbury. And, and you know, I'm sure if everybody puts their heads together, they can come up with a solution that suits everybody. Yeah, I think you need to work together now. There doesn't want to be any um, 
disappointment of it. You know, a bickiness between the two parties. They need to get together. I don't know if there's any places else in Canterbury they can work with, but they've got to work together. The council, the council have taken the money and said that we would rehouse the club, and they haven't done it. They need to go back on their words on that. It's a difficult one because we can see on both sides of the story. From a football point of view, of course, you know, looking at the the pictures of it, it'd been a fantastic arena and for the rugby club as well. So, just a little bit disappointed uh, for that. But hopefully. Um, Canterbury can move on from this or go from there. I don't know if there is, a, is there an appeal process now or, or if it's really been from there. But where does it stand now from your expertise, John? Well, I mean, obviously they could appeal the, the the they could appeal that decision, but I don't think they'd get very far with it. As I said, the appeals process it would just go to the inspectorate in Bristol, right. who would take a look at the report issued by the planning officers, and they'd say, "Well, no, why are you appealing this?" And you know, having looked on the comments on websites and stuff local residents who maybe don't have the understanding of non-league football that, that we do are saying that they're pleased it's been rejected and you know it's it, it that's what they wanted and, and I suppose sometimes when sport gets involved when local football gets involved we do get a bit blinkered about things don't we you know we, we sit there and we think well, yeah, of course, everything's yeah. got to be for the good of our football clubs and obviously you know for the people at Canterbury City and, and you know, we got on with, with Canterbury City. We spoke to Ben Smith a few times and I, 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 we've always been welcomed by them and stuff. But you just kind of, you know, and obviously you feel really, really sorry for them. But sometimes maybe you need to take a step back. And if the planning officers are giving such a damning verdict of that proposal at Highland Court, then maybe that's not the one. But I'm sure that there is somewhere in Canterbury where Canterbury City can return and be back at home. Yeah, I, I, I second that. And hopefully, okay, it's just one of these things. We've seen a lot of clubs never return home. You know, you look at the Maytown situation, finally got something, and look at the, where they've grown, Dartford have done it as well. So hopefully one day, Canterbury City can do as well. Exactly. Anyway, let's get back onto the football because Canterbury were not the only scaffold side who were in bars action last weekend and they aren't the only ones in the last eight either. Cray Valley PM beat Abbey Rangers 3-1 and their reward is a trip to Willand Rovers in the last eight. Have you got any idea where that is, Matt? Willand, uh, I'm saying Buckinghamshire. No, you're miles away. It's in uh, Devon, not far from Tiverton. Um, oh, uh, near Taunton. Yeah, so, yeah, down on the oh, M5. Past Taunton's ground. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, right, right, so that's they they home or they're home, aren't they? No, they're away. Cray Valley are oh, away. Yeah, so, um, all right. And and Willand, like Canterbury's opponents, have only lost once this season and sit top of the Western League, which is sponsored by Tool Station. So that's a really tough game on paper for Cray Valley. But with the firepower and experience in that Cray Valley side, they've got absolutely nothing to fear, even against a side like Willand Rovers, have they? No, again, we've mentioned it all before. It's good for these, some of these types to, to come up against the uh, Titans. I don't know the difference in the, in the quality of the standard. It could be that probably a, a better standard than the top station West Italy. League. But um, yeah, good chance, fantastic result there. Gavin Tomlin scoring. Um, you know, we know what firepower they've got, but I don't think we don't, we don't think they're going to get promoted, Craig. So they're going to put everything into this uh, to try and get in because you get semi final course two legged. Um, it really does open the competition up. But I just hope we can get one of the sides through to the semi finals and get a little bit excited. Exactly. Elsewhere in the scaffold, there was a big win for the weather um, at the weekend. As all but two of Saturday's games in the Premier Division were called off. And the two that went ahead both ended in 1-0 away wins. You don't get many of them in the scaffold. As Fisher went back to the top of the table by overcoming Sheppey United. While bottom of the table, Rustle were beaten by Crowborough. On Tuesday night, Rustle were beaten 5-1 by Punjab United with Aaron Suman getting a hat-trick. While Beersid went down 3-1 at home to AFC Croydon. Uh, this weekend, it's the Kent Senior Trophy time as Chatham hosts Hollands and Blair and Beckenham take on St Peter. Uh, while in the league, it's AFC Croydon against Sheppey 
Cray Valley against Rustle, Croydon against Corinthian, Irith Town against Deal Town, Fusher host Punjab United, Canterbury City go to Glebe, and Tunbridge Weld meet Beersted. And the one tie I want to pick out from there, Matt, is uh, Cray Valley against Rustle, because I've got a feeling that Cray Valley may score a few in that one. Yeah, Rustle have to see 72 goals, I see, in 24 games, only one win. We know what Cray Valley can do, they've scored 71 goals, so in the same amount. Yeah, I think... Um, Grey Valley, I still, you know, we mentioned there, they, you know, there's well, they put just seven points on the top two games in hand. They could be uh, going for, on both sides as well, as well. Between Chatham in there from that, yeah, I think goal. We say it every week, but there's definitely goals in that game as well. Exactly. The only game to survive in Division 1 saw Snodland Town beat Sutton Athletic 2-0 on Saturday to move out of the relegation places. And this weekend, Greenways host Kennington. It's Homestead against Rochester United. Kent Football United meet SC Thamesmead. Did Town take on Forest Hill Park? Phoenix Sports Reserves play Snodland and Sutton Athletic host Stansfeld. All right, let's go up to the National League and we'll talk about the games that actually happened shortly. But first, we've got to talk about that astonishing statement from Everton United's players last week. A brilliant exclusive from the KM Steve Turvitt. The entire squad released a statement revealing that their wages have been paid 11 times out of the last 12 late. And even more concerning were the claims that their medical insurance payments have been missed along with pension contributions. The club have since denied the medical insurance claims and apologised over the lateness of the wages and insist in a statement that their concerns will be resolved as quickly as possible. It's my understanding that it's, it's error rather than malice, but truly this is astonishing stuff, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, I'm trying to think of a time when, uh, you know, you hear rumours about various things about Edfleet uh, having issues and I think uh, the players... I think you could wind of it and a few players started tweeting they hadn't been paid and I think um, the statement that came out a couple of days before saying yeah we know what the budget will be for next season we want XYZ players it must have thought the players well you sorted that out we haven't sorted my wages out and when the pension contribution issue as well it's it's really disappointing I don't know you know from the business that we with, we, you know, we deal with the Middle East, etc., like that. And I say some, and one of the same. So I think I read somewhere that it can be difficult to get from money from the Middle East to um, the UK, which you know, in this day and age and how businesses work, I don't think that's the case, to be honest. So um, uh, maybe it's a little bit of excuses, and maybe the MC players got fed up with the excuses. So. Um, yeah, it shows what a good job they've done before. Remember when you had Luke Coulson on, he said that before the trophy game, uh, the playoff game against Aldershot uh, in May, that the players could have said, no, we're not going to play, because we haven't been paid. So I admire that. The character, Dave Winfield, I presume the captains, put the statement out probably with senior players like Danny Trek, Kedwell, so actually took a couple of days to put their statement out. It's not, you know, it's really just an apologetic statement. Um, let's say happening. But yeah, I, I admire that. You admire what a, what a good job the players have done, but it, I think when this all kicks off and maybe when this all finishes, maybe the end of the season, I don't know how many players have got on contracts. Um, you may see a few players leave Epsleet as well, but um, if they can sort this out, but it, you know, it's gone on for far too long now, and it'd be interesting to see what happens. You know, if the fifty payments are late again, it's, it's not looking good for the club. So um, yeah, hopefully they can turn it around. But you know, there's no smoke without fire. We've heard about all these various rumours, John, haven't we? Exactly, yeah, it was something that, I, I mean, I didn't realise it was quite as uh, deep as it was until we had Luke Coulson on the radio show with us uh, a couple of months ago, and he kind of revealed that thing about, about the strike threat, but um, obviously you had him on the on the radio on Monday night, did, did he add anything else to, to what was coming out? Um, yeah, I think, um, I think that he spoke to a few of the players, he had to um, report it to the authorities about his pension, so he expects something to, to go from that, I think he's just a little bit disappointed. Um, from how it's, how it's gone through the, the management of the club so 
Um, you know, he, he's out of it now. You know, he's at Bromley and they have paid the players on time. So, I think it's just more frustrating for players when he said that certain players, you know, like I do, if my wages go through, but normally my mortgage comes out and people have to dip into overdrafts to get charged for that. So, it's the knock-on effect for players with young kids and families, which is the thing. And that's why, you know, they've got to better respect the FC players to bring this statement out because, you know, this is their livelihood and, you know, you've fought on various payments, it could really affect you. Exactly. Um, on the field, Dover played in the only game in the entire National League on Saturday and had the chance to put more distance between them and the relegation zone. It started well, uh, but our roving reporter was there. So, Matt, where did it all go wrong? Couldn't get a second goal, John. Um, early start, first time we scored in the opening 15 minutes of the game, Locko with the head up. I think I said last week, I was a bit concerned about where the goals are coming from. and It came from a set piece, standard bundle crosses it. And Locko puts the ball in the back of the net. Locko, you know, is our main threat. Um Gayson were there for the taking, had a couple of chances. Again, Brundle made some good saves by the goalkeeper. But then Gayson grew into the game in more confidence. David changed their formation in the second half. Again, didn't huff and puffed. The strike force were really stuttering. Gayson got one back and then sucker punch in the final minute, which was a blow. And and again, I think I've said previously, I'm a little bit concerned about Dover either scoring the goals and the way they've been playing because they haven't been playing particularly well. Gates are definitely there for the beat team. Had a good season, Gates, and they had some good players because I have to admire the way they play football. But it's really disappointing. And they had to put Dover up to 16th would have been a real feather in the nest, six points above the drop zone. But now they're only three points got out and everybody's got games in hand on them. So it's difficult. And you look at the next two games as well, they're going to be tough. It could be that the new manager bounce may have faded a little bit, but um, I'm being a bit pessimistic there. Everybody seems pretty confident, but we need to get back to the form and any energy levels that we had around you know, November and early December when we were beating teams. And um, I haven't heard much of the name Alfie Pavey. Uh, is it not working out for him so far? Um, yeah, he hasn't really hit the ground running at Dover. He's been coming off the bench. Um, does he work well with... Effion, that, that will be the question. They, they, they've linked up one game where Pavey really changed the game against Fylde and Effion scored those two goals. But up to that point, I don't really think it is working for him. Um, I don't know what sort of striker he is. He's, everything's sort of pushed up to him and, you know, he's been jumping before the ball. So I don't know if he wants the ball on the ground. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting this weekend. I'm sure Andy Estefano, who wasn't particularly impressed after the final whistle, will look to change it and need to get some... Um, firepower in there and you look at Alfie Payne's goal scoring record he got 30 plus goals so he knows where the back of the net is maybe he'll be given his chance I don't know if they'll drop Effie on his efforts haven't been great over the last couple of weeks um, but it'll be interesting to see what Andy Hesitana does against Harrogate which will be a tough game because Harrogate beat over a couple of weeks ago and they were a lot better than Dover so um, yeah just a little bit concerning Mm, Maidstone's trip to Salford in the FA Trophy was called off on Saturday swiftly rearranged for Tuesday night and John Steele's men only went and forced a replay a great effort from them uh, the replay's next week and a trip to Stockport which is winnable surely awaits the winners and, and possibly a distraction they don't need the FA Trophy but that's a great result for Maidstone Yeah I think it's excellent maybe John Steele's working his way through the side there. He's had a good time on the training ground. They've got a few more players in on loan. I see Jack Cassidy, as we expected, to come back as well. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, it, it, it's still a long way to go. But again, when Dover lost at the weekend, they were probably quite happy. So it gives them a chance to, to get up a couple of wins and they're in there. So, Sean Steele will be working it. Does he want another game against Salford? Um, well, maybe it's probably better than training. He can see more of his players. And if they get knocked out, nobody's going to be surprised. Stockport will be a tough game because I think Stockport beat Harrogate and they get good crowds. So, um, 
yeah, I think uh, Maystone will be pleased from that. And the, the field of facts will be back, because everybody seems to be delighted that Jay Cassidy's back. So, um, yeah, I, I think John, so far, so good for John Steele. If he can get a win of the weekend, that will really lift the mood as well. Yeah, and on Maidstone, we've now got the second part of our interview with Corona Oliver Ash, where I started by asking him if the last six months have been his toughest at the club. Uh, yes, they, they, they have, but I mean, you, you've got to put it all into perspective, and, and I think um, without, you know, without in any way meaning that there's no heart or emotion in it, I think that it could, you know, it, it could be a lot worse. The club is in a in a really strong position um, financially. We, we've been solid since the beginning and we you know we don't subsidize uh, the, the, the club um, that was one of the objectives from the beginning and, and I think if you try and look at it in a nutshell when we started um, without really much knowledge at all about the, the pyramid and how things would work out we kind of guessed that the equilibrium position for our club uh, with our business model of not subsidising would be somewhere between National and League Two. And in fact, bitter experience has now shown us that that, that level is between National South and National. National is a huge step up um, and you do need an estimated about £800,000 more of cost by going from one to the other. And it, um, it's proving a, a difficult um, bridge to, to sort of cross for us and, and it's going to take a bit longer than we thought uh, and it's going to take a, a lot of reflection as to how we can sensibly finance that and get more revenue coming into the club and it's a real it's a fascinating challenge so yes it's been a very tough season and we you know we've, we, we, we made some mistakes on the recruitment front we, we hold our hands up to that but overall the club's in an excellent position and we've got fantastic supporters I mean against Leighton Orient we, we lost 3-0 and the, at the end the, 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 our fans were were out singing the Leighton Orient fans and, and applauding the team. You'd have thought we'd won 3-0 rather than lost 3-0. It was really uh, fantastic. So the club is in, a, is in a great position overall. So I, I, I'm obviously concerned we've had a lousy season uh, and I feel sorry for the fans. But overall, we're, we're in a pretty good position. And, and if we do go down this season, we'll, we'll bounce back. I've, I've, I've every conviction we will. And, and um, uh, the fans will stick with it. And, and the, the long journey will continue. I mean, it's something Jay Saunders said when we had him on the radio <clears throat> the other week was, you know, that perhaps a club moved quicker than it was expecting. And I guess you're almost paying the price. Like you say, it's a massive step up. But maybe if you'd had a couple more years at, at National South level, then maybe you'd be better prepared for, for this sort of level of football. Uh, absolutely. Again, you, you've, you've hit the nail on the head. I think that's that's um, that's absolutely right. The, the, um, Terry Casey... Um, said in sort of almost in jest a few years ago that Lee Wargan saving Danny Kedrell's penalty in the playoffs was a was going to cost us a million pounds. Um, and sort of in the sad reality of it, as we were saying the other day at the club, is that's actually probably quite true that the three years in the national have probably cost about a million pounds because we are much more profitable as a business in National League South and the purpose of that as a club is that those profits can be used to continue the development of the stadium um, which is necessary if we're ever going to go any further than the National League. You know, we started from nothing eight years ago uh, most of the clubs in the league I think except Fylde have, have had stadiums for, for years and years and we have to 
keep building. And, and well, now that we're in the national, we're not generating any, any um, surplus funds to um, put towards the stadium development. So, so yes, it's uh, we have gone too too far too fast, and and now we have to manage the supporter expectations and and just bring them gently down to a, a, what is effectively a, I think, a happy reality that at this stage we we you know we can we can legitimately bounce around between the national south and national and look to move on upwards and, and stronger over the next few years once we've, we've got our finances back um, generating uh, surplus income and not you know struggling to break even at the end of the season. And just finally, obviously, you've mentioned it a couple of times, but if the battle against relegation was unsuccessful, it's kind of not the end of the world and it's important that everyone sort of keeps the faith and, and you'll be back. It's not going to be a massive culture shock. Maidstone will return even if they get relegated. Yes, um, that's, yeah, as, as, as I was saying, I think we we, we will if, if we if we get relegated. It certainly isn't the end of the world, and I think after a you know initial um, sort of few weeks of, of um, people throwing toys out of the pram, I think um, my, my experience with with uh, with my rugby club is that we you know you'll you'll get back very quickly to the pleasure and of, of, of playing in a league where you, you've got a chance of winning a few more games than you, you, you did previously and just bringing a, a buzz back um, and uh, it, it won't be the end of the world at all we'd like to stay in the National League because it's, it's it's a nice league it is a step up to the sort of fully professional uh, you know you, the, the fans like to see the, the scores up on Sky Sports and all this stuff but uh, the reality is that uh, going back down is certainly not going to kill the club it, it's, it's, it's just uh, another step in the long-term recovery and growth of the club and we have to we have to if it happens we'll have to get used to it and move on hard to disagree really that it has been a tough time for Maystone but he, he, he sounded a little bit defeatist there you know in, in terms of well if we do go down we can come back it might be a tough job to come back up and but I think that kind of is, is playing into Maystone's hand a lot of people are writing them off who's to say John still can't produce a miracle yeah they've got to start winning matches but we all know that at home particularly yeah, there's no guarantee they will come back you can see Torquay and Woking looking at the um, league table for last year the sides got relegated are doing pretty well in that if they keep the structure of the full time there's no reason why but it's a tough division but they need to get the habits of winning football matches even if they go down but get in the habit of football matches that can bring the uh, impetus for next season as well so yeah it's in there and if he does a good job and as I said you wouldn't want to run a football club. And I think, as they've admitted, they've made mistakes. And I think they've probably got the best man in to do it now. And it'll be interesting to see how he gets on over the next few weeks. Yeah, this weekend, uh, as we've already heard, Mason are at home to AFC Fylde, who drew 5-5 on Tuesday night in the FA Trophy. Um, it's Barrow against Bromley, Fleet are at home to Solihull Moors, and as Matt's already said, Dover take on Harrogate. Have you ever seen a 5-5 draw? No, not at all. No, I mean, no, not at all. No, no, that's... Um, yeah, Ramsbottom, that's a, uh, a real Lancashire derby, I think that one is. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, yeah, that's um, five all be cracking. No, I've seen, I've seen a four all. I think I might have seen a four all, but uh, not a five all, yeah. A cracking game, so uh, still far my tip for, for yeah, I'll put death in there, and I still think they can win the league fold. And uh, so hopefully, May, well, Mason will probably beat them on Saturday, let's get that from there, but I think Fylde's still my tip to win the league. <laughs> 
Well, there you go. We'll see how that plays out. International League South, neither of our sides played on Saturday, but both did on Tuesday and both won. Uh, Welling were 2-1 winners over Chippenham, while much to Matt's delight, no doubt, Dark were one little winners at Woking. Uh, I think they're on his list. Um, that means our clubs are now 6th and 7th in the table as the battle for the playoff spots heats up. Uh, this weekend, the Darts host one of the sides above them as they host Bath City, uh, while Welling make the trip to face Dulwich Hamlet. Um, you know, can't complain with either of those results on Tuesday night, can you? Fantastic result. Um, I know Woking were down to nine, scoring a lot of goals, Woking at home. So it gives them a, a good opportunity. It's an even bigger game, arguably now, against Bath weekend. Bath are still up in the league. They probably think they could have a chance of winning the league as well. So uh, from that point of view, it's a chance. Some of the sides are Concord and places like that, Bill Ricky in there. I still didn't think we're not top seven for this, isn't it? We need, yeah. And both well at the moment they're in good positions. Fifteen or whatever it is, games to go. Good result for the wings. Yeah, if Darth will put down a marker, you've got to beat Woking last minute, doesn't get much better than that, in my eyes. Now you play Bath City, do them as well, because you know Bath recently beat Torquay, then you can go from there. So yeah, interesting time. So maybe that all those extra players they've brought in, finally they've got the mix right Darth from there and uh, fantastic result for them into the Bostic League in an interview which I got about 15 minutes before I spoke to Matt to record this week's show. Uh, Ashford United are top of the form table after a brilliant start to life under manager Tommy Warlow, which has taken the nuts and bolts up to second. I caught up with Tommy and I started by asking him just how happy he is with their current form. Yeah, we've, um, we knew going in at the start, we, we knew it was going to be a different, um, like a different uh, kettle of fish to what, what we've come from with the last couple of years at Thamesmead. Um, but we've, we've obviously um, bought a few lads in. I think it's six we've bought in. Um, six lads we've bought in, shuffled it about. Um, the squad, the squad's a lot, lot stronger. Um, and the, the, like I say, the, the, boy, the boys are buying fair play to all the lads because obviously we've come in under the circumstances. You know, it was well documented of the way it was done and what, what you know, how it was done and you know to be honest John we like I said to Obi we just went in there we, that's nothing to do with us we just got on with it there's all different variations of um, the text message and the, you know whatever and, and someone trying to have a meeting so there's a bit of a kerfuffle to start with um, we just got our heads down and to be fair the boys what's it now 11 games in have bought into a style of play um, that was different and and it, like I say I don't want to tempt fate but at the same time I'm I'm positive that it's not just going to going to end because we are on a great run of form at the moment and confidence is very high without getting too arrogant about it. Um, we are confident going into every game um, and the results are showing that. You mentioned obviously the, the circumstances before you came in and, and I think a lot of people were saying, oh, well, this player will be going, this player will be going. But you seem to have kept the core together and that's really helped you out, hasn't it? Yeah, I think um, any team, if you go in and, and put a complete bomb underneath it, I mean, they they won the, um, the the three games on the spin, so we knew there wasn't a lot wrong. But unfortunately, they, they hadn't won in the previous ten, so we knew that also there might have been a bit of um, not not consistency in the in the game. So um, we've we've bought, like I said, we've bought five more, stroke six more players in. Um, so obviously, some players have gone out, um, but we've we've gone to a style. Um, that I, I like playing um, and the lads have bought into it and to be fair it's, it's so far um, like I say I couldn't I couldn't really ask for, for any for any more this, this we can still improve which is a great thing um, but we're just demanding off of them we're setting standards really high 
and the boys are um, and are now sort of realising that yeah, hang on a minute, we can um, we can make a fist of this, and and, and and like I say, at the moment the results are, are speaking for themselves. And you're up to second in the league, which is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, um, I mean, all you can do is look, keep looking forward. Um, you know, we're trying to um, catch Cray, but to be fair to Cray, um, they keep chalking off the results. But there's not a lot we can do about that. But um, I'm not, I'm not getting carried away with it because I've been in football a long, long time. You know, we could lose the next four games and, and catapult into, you know, trying to get a playoff spot. But there's no point thinking like that. You know, I'm always positive. I'm always trying to look at whoever's in front until it's mathematically impossible. We'll just get our heads down and chalk them off one at a time and see if we can close the gap and make it as interesting as possible. But, um, you know, we was, I think someone was saying we were, we were quite a few points behind Hastings at first. Um, and we've shut that gap and gone above them now. Um, so we've just got to get our heads down and, and take each game as it comes. But the main thing for us is that, you know, the clean sheets have been fantastic. We're creating lots of opportunities, um, and there's good competition in the squad now. There's, you know, there's a, a full fit bench last night, and that's what you need going into the final hurdle. And obviously, you've had a couple of Kent derbies this week: seven oaks on Saturday, sitting ball on on Tuesday night. I get different challenges, but you've got to just be pleased with how your boys have gone out and done the job. Definitely. Uh, last night was not the best conditions. Um, obviously, Sittingbourne was, again, massive changes down there. Um, new manager, new players. Um, they got a great result away at Phoenix, um, which is a very difficult place to get a result. Um, and obviously, Seven Oaks on Saturday as well have, have been a difficult team to beat of late with all the draws they've been having. Um, and obviously, they've turned over a few of the top teams as well. So, but, you know, we're not going to um, get complacent or anything. Um, whoever's up next, I believe, is um, Bay. Like I said, we treat them the same as everyone else. But we're, we're confident at the moment. There's a nice aura around the ground. Uh, the fans have been absolutely fantastic with the noise. Even last night on a drizzly night in Sittingbourne, they was outstanding. Um, and everything, everything at the moment seems rosy in the garden, which, which is nice. And hopefully, if we can get the turnstiles clicking and get it back to. Um, how the Ashford was. I mean, obviously, I played down there when it was Ashford Town many years ago, and I know the potential of the football club. Um, and since then, obviously, a load more houses have gone up. So everything is geared into place. It's just making the people of Ashford aware and hopefully getting them down, which will make, obviously, if they come down, it'll make us get stronger on the pitch as well because the club will benefit financially. So at the moment, um, we're only looking one way. So we want to continue that. You kind of preempted my question there. I was going to say that the Ashford fans, they seem to be so passionate and they always get behind the team, don't they? Honestly, yeah. I mean, people say it all the time, but um, every away game, every home game, um, they're there in voices. Last night, we even had the, the green flare go off or smoke bomb or whatever it was. Or, you know, I know it's, um, it's just little bits that, you know, they're just so passionate. If we can get it back to, like I said, that, that, you know, how I know it can be down there. I mean, we had some big crowds down there for some big games, but the average crowd, I think, was 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 quite up around to the five hundreds or whatever. So, um, and and like I said, there's so many houses that have gone up, John, over you know in, in that it's got to be twenty years now. Um, there's no reason why we can't you know try and reinvent the club and get it back out there and start pushing on. But uh, you know, our main aim this year was to come in, stabilise the football club. Um, and then look to try and build for the future. It wasn't going to be a quick fix. But at the moment, 
um, with with the players that we've brought in to, to you know to go with the some of the players that were that, that are left out. Um, it's, it's, it's worked out into a really good blend that that hopefully you never know the playoffs are a little bit different this year. So um, if you know if we can make the playoffs, I'd have took that at the start when I come in. Um, but at the moment we're just getting our heads down with twelve games to go. Um, there's not a lot wrong, and everyone's everyone's got a little spring in their step, which is nice. As he said there, Matt, it, it was difficult when he came in, but what what a job he's done. The, the players have bought into his ethos and the way he wants to play football. He's added players where he's felt his need to, and look at them, they're absolutely flying. Yeah, uh, I'm talking right. He's a good manager at this level of football. Um, when he left uh, Tunbridge, you know, he's gone to clubs that maybe didn't have the resources or the infrastructure of Tunbridge, uh, and it didn't really work for him. He probably learned a lot more about him as a manager when he's running these clubs when he's been on the show before and said that you know he's struggling to get players in struggling to get any publicity for the club there's now a club called Ash- Ashford who have got good infrastructure there's a decent um, location they can attract players and he's got players Sam Corn, 16 goals this season Sam Corn was playing National League for winning a couple of years ago and he's a good player so yeah so he's doing a, a fantastic job would it be enough to keep Catch Craig maybe a little bit difficult, but they're the side in form, and if they can get in, you know, it looks like a playoff place will be in. And I'm pleased with him because he's one of somebody, one of the uh, guys, nice guys, you know. And I'm sure he'd love to get Ashford to the levels that he did with um, Tunbridge Angels because he's a legend down at those parts. Well, exactly, and, and you know, I, I would say that, that this is probably a level too low for where you would expect Tommy Warlow to be, um, but. He's a man who used to play for Ashford, and, and as he was saying there, you know, he looks back at when he was there, when it was Ashford Town, and you know the crowds they were getting, and there's so many houses coming up around Ashford, and I suppose when Brexit happens, everyone will be parked up on the M20 near Ashford anyway, so they should be getting loads of people in, shouldn't they? Yeah, I think um, I think that might be the way forward. Yeah, so, so yeah again, facilities. Oh, Ashford, it's a little bit out of the way, but there's a lot of houses around there. A lot of people live in Ashford. If they can get the support, get the impetus going, there's no reason why not. They probably are a Bostic Premier League club. They haven't been there for a while, but they used to get good gates, as Tommy knows when he was a player, and when they played the local sides, they were the sides that, you know, decent gates. So playing the likes of Folkestone, that's probably their level, and Tommy's doing a really good job, and long may it continue. And every week, you know, look at the paper, Ashford won again, the Tommy Wild effect definitely kicking through. Yeah, and those two wins, as you said there over this week, were, you know, they were both... Pleasing results in different ways. I mean, there's no love lost with Seven Oaks, and the Ashford fans would have been very keen to win that one. But you know, they, they beat them two one, and then to go to Sittingbourne, never an easy place to go on, a, especially on a on a Tuesday night in February, and to go there and, and just do the job there that they needed to do. As he said, that's, that's all he can ask for his players, and you know, fair play to him. You, you wouldn't want to play them. They've got the weekend off this weekend, but you, no one will want to play them at the moment, will they? No, I think not at all. I think. Um... Uh, the side in form uh, got them playing the right way good players at that level and I think Tommy Tommy's now he's got a bit of budget he can attract the players that he's had before so yeah, exciting times I think for Ashford they've been a bit up and down didn't really work out with Gary Alexander and particularly in the first last season it was a poor season for them but I think they've got the, the, the right man in charge now and hopefully that can continue for them yeah, well, this looking back at the rest of the results in that league, uh, Junior Datton hit four as Cray Wanderers beat Herne Bay 6-0 on Saturday. It was Hyde 1, 3, Bridges 0. Phoenix Sports 3, Sittingbourne 4. Ramsgate beat Greenwich Borough 3-1. Um, and then on Tuesday night, it was Faversham 2, Hyde 1. Uh, brilliant hit from Solomon Taiwo as Phoenix beat Greenwich Borough 1-0. Uh, Ramsgate won 5-1 at Herne Bay. Uh, it was 7-0-1, one, Whitstall 1, and as we've already heard, Sittingbourne 0, Ashford 2. Uh, this weekend... 
It's Cray Wanderers against Guernsey, East Grinstead against Ramsgate, Favisham against Greenwich Borough, Hayward Teeth against Turn Bay, Hyde against Phoenix, Seven Oaks against Whiteleaf, Three Bridges against Sittingbourne, VCD Athletic against Torsham, and Whitstable against Hastings. Um, into the Premier Division on Saturday, it was uh, a case of two absolute stinking results and one brilliant result as uh, Dorking Wanderers beat Folks and to 6-0 and Enfield beat Margate 4-0, but Tommy Jangles did really well to win 3-2 down at Bognor. Uh, but then on Tuesday night, Folks and Victor beat Cordham Casuals 2-1 and Margate were beaten 1-0 at home to, by leaders Dorking, uh, down to 10 men as well, Margate, because uh, Dave Martin got sent off and a few whispers going around Margate that all's, all, all could be set for a change, Matt. Yeah, people I work with saying that it wasn't particularly good yesterday. A little bit better. Steve Brown apparently wasn't at the game yesterday. Um, Mike Sanderman was in charge, so you can read into what uh, that way they were. The results haven't been good. Especially for them, scored in open play since December. Yeah. So that's always a bit of a concern. No real strikers. Um, they are on, on, on a bit of a skiddy row, isn't it? They need to pick up points fast because they could be dragged into uh, a relegation zone. So... Um, yeah, I think there is rumours that could be changing at Margate. There's still I think three go down in this, is it? Uh, is it I think so, yeah. Three. So there's still five points. Our teams do have games in hand, but um, yeah, it's, it's a little bit concerning. And, you know, some of the Margate fans we mentioned before are not the happiest in the world, but maybe they haven't, you know, they've played uh, 14 games at home and only won two. Um, so maybe they've got a right to moan a little bit. And they've got some tough games. They've got Tunbridge away on Saturday, haven't they? Which is a big game. Because we mentioned there, Tunbridge have really found some decent form at, late, um, at last. So, yeah, interesting times. And maybe next week, we'll, there may be some news. In the next week's show, maybe we'll have some news about from Margate. Yeah, it's interesting because there is a name being linked a lot with the Margate job. And personally, I didn't think that person fancied it. But we shall see what happens down the line, won't we, with that one, Matt? Uh, Tom and James yeah. are supposed to be playing at Lewis uh, this evening. I understand there's going to be a pitch inspection at that one at six o'clock. And, you know, if I get called off I'm not going to be too upset because I could go to the rearrange one of them couldn't I yeah that's a, that's a later game I think they're doing alright um, somebody James mentioned that it was close that he was um, on the brink and uh, Steve McKinley's turning it around scoring goals and uh, you know people Matt Davison who we know from BBC Radio Kent big fan of um, uh, Tommy James he says he got, everybody's got a smile back on their face which is the most important thing yeah um, th- as well as their game against the uh, Margate on Saturday, it's Harlow against Folkestone, and then on Wednesday, Angels try again when they go to Wingate, uh, which was snowed off a couple of weeks ago. Um, that's pretty much it for this week's uh, Kent Non-League podcast, or El Kent Non-League podcast, if you're uh, in Spain, as I am. Um, Tommy Warlow just says to me, was it a Spanish podcast I was recording? I was like, well, no, it's still in English, and uh, you know, but, but here we are in, in sunny Spain, uh, bringing you a podcast, which is always fun. Um but yeah, um, if you weren't, if like me, you weren't able to listen to uh, Radio Kent on Monday night, Matt was joined by Luke Coulson and Mitch Walker, um, as well as Paul Downton. That's available to listen again. Uh, if you look on Twitter, uh, I think I've retweeted it and probably Matt has as well, um, that you can listen again to that show. Um, we're obviously not on the radio this week, but we are on in a couple of weeks' time. We'll talk about that one uh, next week. But yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks to Tommy Warrillow. And again, thanks to Oliver Ash for... Uh, Speaking thanks to the lovely Hayley for letting me take some time out of our holiday to uh, record the podcast and do some editing as well. And of course, Matt, as always, thanks to you for giving up your Wednesday lunchtime. But um, don't forget to follow us. I wasn't going anywhere. It's visible, mate, out there. Oh, good. Not even going down Marks and Spencer's to get some knockoff food. (laughs) Might do. Might do. I've got to pick the doors up at six. So I'll probably, yeah, I'll do that. But I'm I'm disappointed I haven't had many bargains recently. So, uh, yeah, keep me that down. Yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at Kent NL Podcast and on Facebook, we're Kent Non League. Um, and yeah, thanks for listening, and we shall speak to you all next week.
bring back 200 Bensons and a bottle of Bell for three, three, four, mate. 